everybody. Welcome to another episode of Real Chills. Today's guest was so cool and interesting and had just an absolutely crazy story. Uh, his name is Ryan Singer. He's the host of Me and Paranormal You. And he's also just like a really cool dude that knows a lot about the paranormal. So enjoy this episode. Real chills with Meg Gats. Real scary, real silly, real stories. Hey everybody, welcome to Real Chills. Meg Gats here. I have an awesome guest. I'm really excited he could do the show. Today we have Ryan Singer. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Meg. Uh, you know, a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you could be here. This is like, seriously, it's going to be so much fun. And we always ask our guests this question at the beginning of the episode, which is, where do you stand on the paranormal? Are you a skeptic? Are you all in somewhere in the middle? Um, I'm definitely on the all in side. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Me> so <too. laughs> uh, some people, some people might say I'm too far in. <laughs> in fact. Uh, oh yeah, we all. But yeah, are def here. <laughs> definitely, definitely all in. I've been running uh, me and Paranormal You, which is, you know, kind of you know a, a paranormal interview podcast among other mm -hmm. things, for I don't know seven over seven years. I don't even remember how long. Seven eight years. So six hundred plus episodes, and it all started from you know paranormal experiences I had that kind of really sparked an interest in in me you know 15 years ago or whatever it was um when i realized that the world was so much more than what i yeah. was led to believe uh yeah. it was absolutely so how how old would you say you were when you started really get or like how many years ago was it it was 15 years ago you said i mean roughly i'm i know i, I don't understand time anymore okay but, the you know the last couple of years uh, the concept of time has kind of just really slipped through my fingers i feel sure. like but, <laughs> yeah yeah um, i was always interested in the paranormal adjacent because i was raised i was raised in a catholic family went to catholic mm -hmm. school for 12 years and i had a grandmother who was super super catholic and she mm. was she was the type of catholic that was you know into the you know visitations premonitions wow you know future tellings of you know, what was going to be unfolding in the world, you know, the predictions that were given to saints through visions of Mary or, you know, prophets and things like that. So I was always, you know, I, from the very beginning, I had a blueprint of mysticism, like built into my belief system. Like, so I always believed in the, the, you know, miracles and like the unbelievable was just normal for me. Right. So, and then when I started having my own experiences that were, you know, not religious, uh, in any way, because I'm, I'm no longer uh, Catholic, right. but it was kind of like just an easy sidestep just yeah. to, you know, put my foot on the other side of the fence there. Yeah, that is so fascinating to me because I grew up religious, but and like went to Catholic school, did all of all of that. And I felt like there was so much rigidness with Catholic faith. And it was really hard because as far as like supernatural things go, they like I always felt like it was a pick and choose of like ghosts aren't real, but uh demons are <laughs> you know what i mean so it yeah and it it's it's funny because you know ghosts aren't real but our religion is based on the most famous ghost story the of all time yeah. except for the one the big one we only yeah did well one. i mean even jesus rising from the dead that's a ghost yeah. mean, essentially that's like the most famous like zombie slash ghost story of zombie all time story, yeah 
And so to say that, you know, ghosts aren't real and spirit isn't real. I mean, it's, you know, it's a contradiction that you, you realize when you're older mm-hmm. and, and I, the older I get, the, the less harsh my opinion is maybe about how I feel about, uh, you know, Catholicism mm-hmm. um, for years, especially when I first started doing stand up, I was, you know, my stand up was very anti-religious. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'd go on stage and I'd bash religion uh, pretty hard. Um, and I've, I've grown a little softer now that I'm 45. It's I understand the rigidness to some degree in certain aspects of it because mm-hmm. you know years ago i started getting into uh magic and like occult practice things like that i got really fascinated with it and when it comes to rituals you know so it gave me a greater understanding of you know well there's certain rituals and these rituals yeah. need to be followed to produce certain outcomes right and because mm-hmm. the catholic mass is just an hour-long ritual it's all rituals you yeah know? all of catholicism is just like filled with rituals it's crazy <laughs> yeah and in the end result of a ritual if done correctly is to produce a certain result mm-hmm. or outcome or mm-hmm. some kind of transformation and i mean that's what you know trans the whole i mean it turns out the whole catholic mass is just a ritual to try to you know transform bread into jesus's body right. and wine into you know his blood and so like it's all just build up to this like we're going to put all this energy into like transforming this, you know, uh, and, and then, you know, and I don't know why all the kneeling and sitting and standing and, you know, boom, boom, boom. But it's, uh, so I've grown a little less harsh on like, I guess the ritualistic aspect of it, but the rigidness of it is not attractive to me at all. Mm -mm. Um, although, you know, and then part of me is like, well, if you go back in time and understand that population growth explodes, in, in, you know, and so how are we going to have a agreed upon set of ways we live our lives? Right. And, and, and where does morality come from mm-hmm. and how should we all be uh, behaving in, in these larger group settings, you know, control and opinion and all this stuff. We can't go around and ask every single person what they think we should do in a vote situation, right? Because yeah. there's just too many people now. There's a great book called uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel. And it's a really big book, but it talks about like the like why did certain, you know, cultures become powerful mm-hmm. as opposed to other cultures? And basically, it's a great book to debunk any kind of you know, racist ideology. Okay. Like, oh, well, we, we, you know, white people got, you know, gotten power because they were smarter, blah, 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 all that, you know, BS you hear, yeah. you know, uh, white supremacists talk about when it's all about just location, it's all about geography and resources. Resources, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And so then when you get to a certain level, it's like, well, okay, well, how are we going to, how, how are we all going to live together? And then religion gives a good way. It's like, okay, well, there's a, you know, we can come up with a set of standards and believe in this, believe in this unbelievable thing to control Mm -hmm. everyone's behavior to a certain degree. So we can all just go about living our lives without worrying about everybody killing us or whatever the whole time. Or yeah, it gives you like peace. I feel like even now without practicing the, the thought of a higher being gives me peace. You know, I don't need to stay a ghost when I die or stay a human, but I like to think that something happens to me, you know, like I don't, 
just disappear. Like I go back into, I imagine now it's like a big electricity cloud that I just, my little tiny orb floats back into. Then it just mixes up and I shoot back down. So yeah. And you just say hi every once in a while when there's like an electrical <laughs> lightning storm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's Meg just saying hi. Uh, <laughs> me. She always she zaps something. the part of the house where she lived. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like that. I don't know. So, and I, I understand why someone would feel comfort in religion. My mom is very, is still very Catholic and she just wants, you know, she wants to take care of my soul, she says, which is very ominous and creepy also. Cause I'm like, I'm trying also to take care of my soul and do good for it. But yeah, I don't know. I remember cause Catholic, I never thought being Catholic was like, you know, ritualistic and creepy until I you know, my friend would, my mom would always encourage me to bring friends to church if they wanted to. No, we didn't pressure anybody, but if they were hanging out on a Sunday and they wanted to see what it was about. And I brought my one friend and I was like, I like whispered, we were like at towards the end of it. And I was like, are you enjoying this? And she's like, why is there so much chanting? And I didn't realize how much we talk in unison during the entire mass and how scary that could be from, for someone who's never seen it before. You know, 100%. It's just creep. It is. I don't know. You just grow. You're so indoctrinated with it that you don't even notice the connections to other religions or, you know, rituals. Yeah. And (laughs) especially when you're raised, uh, like when you're raised in it from day one, like it's such a powerful force because, you know, I came to the realization years ago, I don't remember learning about hell. Yeah. Right. And so when you don't have a memory of learning about something because you learned it at such a young age, it's no longer something you learned. It's something that's just real. Yeah. It's just like part of reality. Like, oh, that's a tree right there that I can touch and it's solid. Mm -hmm. Hell is a place where I'll go if I'm bad. That's just reality. Right. And so that's a very powerful thing to try to move past later in life Mm -hmm. if you decide to do so. Because it's it's not like, oh, this is just a, something I learned, a story I heard, and I decided to believe it, I guess. Um, it, it's, it's deeper than that in, in some way, trying yeah. to extricate yourself from that. Yeah, I've also like realized this is a way different conversation than I thought we'd be having. But I've also realized that I I feel like religion sort of made me neurotic because from such a young age, I was told a big judgmental man in the sky is watching me. So even if I was doing stuff behind, like, you know, stealing cookies or whatever, even if I got away with it, I still felt caught and I still felt that guilt all the time, you know, which I guess forces me to be a more more moral person. But you know, that's, you can't be perfect. You know what I mean? So it led to, I just felt like someone was watching me my entire life. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, wait a second. And it is, it, it, that is, it's a strange feeling and yeah. to, you know, because I was also taught that as you were, that to think the thought is to sin, that yeah. is to commit the, the thought, commit the yeah. action, right? There's mm-hmm. no real difference. And so, and you can't talk about the paranormal without, I mean, you can't have, you know, an in-depth conversation about the paranormal without talking or getting into the religious aspect in some way anyway, because the implications are so profound, right. especially on, you know, the world of religion. Mm-hmm. And because to me, the paranormal is, there's two big, the two heavyweight hitters in the paranormal are aliens and ghosts because yep. it proves, because <laughs> uh-huh. the, 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 prov- the proving of both of these things, which 
to me, they have already been proved, but to, to accept these as truth means that death isn't real and that we're not alone in the universe. And there's yes. no bigger things in our world that would have a more profound change on the way we at least should be living our lives. I mean, you can say the same thing about climate change. There's nothing bigger that should be altering our behavior mm -hmm. here on, on earth uh, in, as humans. And yet here we are still fighting against people who are trying to fill their pockets by destroying mm -hmm. the place we live. And so, I mean, it seems on the surface that it would be that simple and, and, and it'd be that easy, like a light switch going off right. where we all just kind of like, oh, death isn't real and we're not alone. We should focus all of our resources into, you know, becoming a part of this intergalactic neighborhood and understanding that we're limitless beings of light that never truly die and our consciousness will go on forever. And so what's the best way for us to, to go about handling our business, knowing these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my guess is it wouldn't be going around murdering or stealing or <laughs> no. treating yeah. other people badly yeah. or getting hung up on what uh, pronoun someone wants to use mm -hmm. uh, when we understand ultimately at the core of everything is we're all just this consciousness that is connected to one another. So who cares what pronoun someone wants to use in these temporary flesh suits that we have? Yeah, it's not important <laughs> at all. I have started thinking that way and now I'm just like more stressed for the collective on like like I'll see like a school <laughs> shooting and I'll be like that's going to take a while for us to get over <laughs> as a group yeah. that's you know there's so much trauma in the world all the time that no one is processing and you know I obviously I try to take care of myself and the people around me but at the same time I'm just like we're going to have to face these things at some point we're going to have to yeah. look at you know climate change and the way the u.s has so much more gun violence like i live in philadelphia we've had the highest murder number last year ever that's ever that the city has ever had and i'm just like when is this like what is it gonna take yeah for people are scared you know and yeah. everything we do is out of fear everything mm -hmm. bad that we do and so much of our action is out of fear that it's um you know, every time I see a video of someone screaming about uh, having to wear a mask, I just want to show up and be like, hug me. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. It's and, okay. and then, you yeah. know, let me hug you, but with a mask on. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird when I see people emoting that way, either angrily or despair. I kind of see them as kids. Like I see their their child selves in that moment. I'm like, this is like a deep childhood reaction. You know, it's very weird that I, like I've just started doing. I'm like, you you want your mom to yeah. tell you everything's gonna be okay, exactly, and you know that that's not gonna happen. So now this is a big problem <laughs> for everybody else. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. It's it is it's. I mean, and and I don't want to wear a mask. No, no one wants to wear a it's mask. And it's it's literally the least you can do. Mm -hmm to have consideration and empathy for other people who are immunocompromised and, and have medical conditions to where, you know, something like this, like something like COVID and its different variants could, could severely affect them and uh, in such a negative way and, and, you know, threaten their, their life. And I don't know, it's, you know, 
when it comes to to me like there's been a weird really weird thing happening in like the last five years we're in mm -hmm. such a period of liminality within our culture there's been so much cultural change and i love the book uh, the trickster and the paranormal by george p hansen mm -hmm. um and he talks about liminal space the in between these transitions uh, are where the trickster shows up and the tricksters, you know, all take so many different forms in the paranormal, like Bigfoot, all, you know, even like ghosts and spirits. Right. And this is where they really thrive in that in between space. Mm -hmm. And also when there's cultural upheaval, typically it's been studied that there are more UFO sightings really? uh, during cultural upheaval awesome. in different societies. So mm -hmm. what you have is a real explosion of the paranormal in the last five years. Mm -hmm. And, you have people awakening to a more spiritual side of themselves, uh, tapping into their intuition. Sure. Um, I don't enjoy how empaths are getting shit on so much lately. Oh, they are. It is um, making me sad. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's one for the team, well, it's yeah. because a, a culture doesn't have room for the unexplainable, right? right? Or the, you know, and we live, well, specifically, a culture doesn't have room for uh, what's anti culture necessarily right. and we are a very scientific material rational culture especially here in the west so there's no there's no air in the jar for the paranormal and because it doesn't fit into the the thing we've collectively decided is our identity right now uh, and so that affects all of us in many different ways and we don't even realize that we're just tapping into the you know the loudspeaker that our culture is speaking you know you ever if you ever go to a walmart or drive by a walmart they've got those speakers in the parking lot like like giving you instruction, like every making announcements every once in a while. And I tell my girlfriend, every time we get out of the car, I just like your Imperial Lord has <laughs> yeah. dictated that you must wear a mask uh, or, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Right. And so, but it's like, we have one of those invisible things, those loudspeakers from this, you know, from our culture telling us that if science can't prove it, it's not real. There's no evidence that isn't scientific method proven by scientists. And it's like, no, since when did we decide that evidence has to be what's the science, these, you Let's know, see. few categories of what science says, where we're totally dismissing uh, firsthand accounts, eyewitness mm -hmm. testimony uh, as just not evidence. Uh, yeah. To me, that's like, no, we have plenty of evidence that goes surreal for yeah. thousands and thousands of years. I think the oldest story, the Epic of Gilgamesh, is a ghost story. That's mm -hmm. the, the oldest written story that we have ever been able to find. And there's something really powerful and really profound about ghost stories because they're everywhere and they always will be everywhere and th there's a reason for that and i think that reason is because intuitively we know that it's real right i think with this culture too going back a little bit to empathy and also just believing in the paranormal one i think we are defensive so having an empath read you like that makes you feel vulnerable therefore you want to lash out you know That's so i think a lot yeah. of it is like a very defensive reaction of you can't tell me how i feel when in reality that's exactly what they're doing um there's a second thing i was gonna say darn it about believing oh it's a lot a loss of control if you're willing to open the door and say ghosts are real aliens are real cryptids are all of it across the board everything you ever heard real you have to understand you have so little control of the environment you're living in. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not ever going to accept that there's more than what you can see, what you can touch, what you can explain with science. So you have to be willing to like lose that control, which is 
extremely hard for people, I feel like, especially with like turbulent times and how things are right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give up control over my life. No, I don't want to and, know that I'm just like a leaf blowing in like a way bigger, you know. Right. Yeah. And I also ever. don't I also don't want to be told what to do. I mean, I think everyone if no one wants to be told what to do. Right. And, you know, whether it's vaccine mandates or, you know, or, you know, to make your bed when you're a kid. Right. Or mm -hmm. whatever else. No one wants to be told what to do or to feel like they don't have a choice. And especially in America, where especially in America, it's a where free it's a country. land of the free, you can do what you want. It's like, yeah, but you can still be a bad person doing what yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you have made nice. the choice to be a bad person. A Thank jerk. you. Okay. Total, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Duly noted. Um, <laughs> but I think once people have, once people have, I, I think experiencing is believing in the paranormal and Unfortunately, it really takes someone to have an experience to be a believe, be a true believer, as they say. Mm -hmm. And even then, you you know, time can pass, and you can start to question right. your own experience, right? Because it's not accepted. Because there's no air in the jar, right, to support right. your experience or to empathize with you. Although that's been changing the last few years, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know if this would. I don't think that. I mean, I know we wanted to talk about like a specific paranormal experience, um, but I remember when I was a little kid. No, we won't talk about that. I mean, I saw a picture that had the Virgin Mary in it when I was a very little kid from my grandma. And for me, like I even as like a seven year old kid, I was like, this will forever be the foundation. It will be really? the bedrock of my faith and my belief wow. that God is real and that Jesus and, you know, and it turns out many years later, I asked my grandma about that before she dies. And she has no recollection whatsoever of showing me that photo. Which would mean that it just kind of made it up as a kid or something, or I thought I saw it. Or then another friend of mine says, well, your grandma was so religious that she was experiencing miracles every day. So maybe she just doesn't remember it because it wasn't a big deal like it was to you. Wow. But at the same time, it's like, you know, how do you not remember seeing a photo of the Virgin Mary that was taken at the place where you go to church all the time? Yeah. Right? So, yeah. um, so I must have, I mean, I do have false memories as a, as a kid where something would happen and I would just replace it with a much better memory. You'd add it. Yeah. So, um, and you know, where, I, or I no longer believe or no longer can access at least on my conscious mind, like the actual events. Cause I've replaced it over time. Right. Um, but I think, you know, getting validation for a paranormal experience is, is important. Um, I, a couple of years ago, I was in Florida doing a five-day expedition investigation for a friend of mine who was hoping to make a documentary out of it. And it was a place in Florida that had all this crazy stuff happening. There was EVPs of some kind of voices in the house that they recorded when they were no longer, when they were out and about calling their dog to them. Um, they put a recorder out because they suspected something was happening when they were gone from the house. And they caught a voice calling their dog and you see the dog running <laughs> oh, over to no. where the, so I go down there with some friends of mine, you know, we're looking for Bigfoot. We're looking for ghosts. We're looking for sure. UFOs. We're looking for portals, all kinds of stuff. And the, and we're having some crazy stuff where, I mean, we're really? finding, you know, we cast a footprint of a large creature that we believe to be was a, a Bigfoot. We, 
And I believe that Bigfoot is paranormal. And I know a lot of people, there's divisiveness, pretty hardcore divisiveness over this issue. Um, I'm definitely in the paranormal camp of Bigfoot. I think so too. I, I think with how few sightings there are, there has to be some sort of like, like you're saying portal or interdimensional something going on with Bigfoot. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that electronic equipment fails so often, and it seems like such an easy out if you're not in the world of the paranormal or if you've never if you're kind of on the fence and you've never done an investigation um but once you start doing investigations and you do them for long enough you realize this is not any this is an actual part of the phenomena mm-hmm. and it kind of brings in the trickster element right interesting um, yeah and there's a good example of that in this story mm-hmm. um so we're down there for a few days you know we get an image of a large creature on a thermal camera um we're do, i'm doing i'm leading the paranormal investigation side of things there's another guy dan lindholm who is more of a bigfoot guy so he's kind of taking the lead on certain bigfoot things there's a few other people there uh there's a couple there's three guys there who are just armed security wow <laughs> uh because the owners of the property said that we couldn't be out on the property at night by ourselves without someone Wow. Who was there to defend us, right? Because uh-huh. there's so much crazy creature activity on this property that it's not safe, right? So I'm hearing all this going in, and I mean, I'm all in on the paranormal, but it's 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 still like really all this yeah. stuff's happening at this <laughs> <Armed> place. Men, <laughs> you know, we need armed guards. Come on now. Hmm. And then you get out there and you feel the energy of the property and mm. you're like, thank God there's people here with guns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though I don't necessarily think guns would do anything. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, so it's the third night. The owner of the house, Carolyn, uh, an incredible woman, and her and her husband, Bill, who's also incredible. They're just they're just regular people, right? And mm-hmm. she's retired, used to work in like law enforcement. Uh, he works for the state of Florida as an architect. This is 40 acre property. I believe it's around 40 acres, 30 or 40 acres. They built their dream home years ago here and they just started experiencing all this crazy stuff. So we go down there on the third night. I wanted to do a paranormal investigation inside the house, but it took Carolyn a few days to get to know me to see if sure. she wanted me to do that. So on the third night, uh, my buddy Ed, Ed Brown, who's also a Bigfoot guy, he was the guy who's uh, who brought us all down there. He's like, oh, Carolyn told me she wants you to do the investigation inside the house. And I was like, oh, that's great. And he said, she wants you to do it by yourself, alone. Oh, no. And uh, I was like, oh, why'd she say why? that? And, and he said, because she said you have a different energy than the rest of us. Oh, and what that wow. meant was, what that meant was, you know, everybody else had a gun and I had crystals in my pocket. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I so, would want the crystal guy in the house too. Yeah. yeah. So I, and for a month before the investigation, I went to, you know, vegetarian diet, no caffeine. Wow. Uh, tried not to have any sugar because I was really trying to like, you know, decalcify my pineal gland to blast sure. open my psychic abilities, my intuition, my third eye. So I get in the house and I actually just about a week ago watched the footage of me being in the house for the first time. Um, Because initially the footage was all taken to be a part of a project that 
it's never going to happen. So now I'm kind of be repurposing the footage for my own project. Uh, for I filmed a stand-up comedy special in October at a haunted school. That's so and cool. So That's it'll come awesome. out later this year. But cool. and then we did that on Saturday night. But on Thursday and Friday night, I had Karen Rontowski, my buddy Alex Mistretta, and my buddy Jim Perry, uh, investigators. All uh, Jim Perry hosts Euphemet, which is a really great paranormal show. Um, Alex is, you know, like an anthropologist. He, you know, he's out there looking for Bigfoot. He used to work uh, for MUFON. He used to be the lead UFO investigator for MUFON, LA, all kinds of things. And so we do paranormal investigations for two nights before I record the comedy special. And so I'm going to release like in as a companion piece to the special, I'll be releasing yeah, like a paranormal documentary, either a series or just a one movie. Well, I, I haven't decided. It depends on the footage, what I, how much is there. But, and I'm watching this and I'm realizing, oh, there's some weird stuff happening inside this house two years ago when I'm doing the paranormal investigation. And then uh, later that night, uh, when everybody else is done looking for, you know, the creature we saw the night previous in the field, we're all kind of talking and Carolyn wants me to sleep in the house that night. I had been sleeping in a shed called the Sugar Shack uh, for the nice. previous few nights with my buddy Ed, because um, it's like the location on the property where there's the most activity. And thank oh. God, I mean, it was really hard for me to fall asleep because I get scared very easily. Yeah, for sure. And we would put digital recorders in the window and so then try to fall asleep, right? And then just Ed reviewed the sounds later. And there is so distinctly caught on these digital recorders wood knocks <gasps> happening who knows you know four in the morning whatever time it was where because the the digital recorders on the inside windowsill of like the, yeah. a pretty thickly built wood shed that has an air conditioning unit like that's 15 years old in the window that's pretty loud because it sure. was in the summer in florida so it was really hot and there's just these wood knocks happening. Thank God I did not hear that at four in the morning <laughs> yeah. when, when I was awake. Hey, George, isn't, isn't this year great? Isn't 2020 fantastic? Dan, are you kidding me? I mean... This year sucks. I've been inside the entire time. But how often do you get two new sports team names? We got Kraken and football team. I do like football team. If only there was a show where you could rank these new names. I know just the show. There's a show, I host it with my friend Dave Primiano. It's called The Rank Bank. Dan, that's awfully relevant to this completely natural conversation. <laughs> of course it is. It's almost like I shoehorned it in here because it's all I want to talk about anymore. When do episodes drop, Dan? You can hear part one and part two of every league on Monday and part two will come out on Tuesday. You don't even have to wait. Wow, two days, two separate episodes of the show. How can you give that much content? It's exhausting. Go listen to the Rank Bank. <laughs> Which is weird, though, because if it was loud enough to be over the air conditioner, the, the fact that neither of you guys woke up, it woke up is weird. Yeah, well, itself. I mean, thank God. I mean, because it must have happened like soon after I fell asleep because I, I couldn't, I had a difficult time sleeping the whole time I was there just because I was like kind of freaked out the whole time to yeah. a little, uh, to some degree. 
But then I go, I was like, okay, I'll sleep in the house. Cause she wants me to sleep in a room they call the dream chamber. Cause people have the craziest dreams. They all dreams have these weird names. <laughs> of, these, of this life. <laughs> you have the craziest dreams of your life in the dream chamber. The dream right? chamber. And Got it. Okay. There's a story of someone in her family slept in that room one night and woke up in the middle of the night and didn't even take their luggage and just left and didn't come <gasps> back to the house for like a couple of years. Wow. This was like a daughter who wouldn't come <laughs> back to the house. So because of whatever happened in that room. Yeah. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'll sleep in the dream chamber. Yeah. I have to, I have to go down to the sugar shack and I have to go get my uh, my toiletry bag and my dream journal. <laughs> I was like, let me get my dream journal. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so Ed and I walk down the driveway to the sugar shack and we talk for a few minutes. And then uh, I'm leaving the sugar shack to walk back up to the house. It's probably 1230 at night. And so the, one of the rules of being on the property was you're never allowed to be by yourself at night. Good rule. Yeah. And we all abided by the, the rules the whole time we were there, except for this moment. Oh, no. Where it's 1230 at night. I'm walking out of the sugar shack. I'm in a great mood. We had a really fun time that evening doing the investigation, mm -hmm. hanging out with Bill and Carolyn afterward. And... I'm walking up the driveway of the sugar shack. And right before I, I walk out the door, as I'm walking out the door, Ed looks at me, he goes, good luck. Or, you know, you know, be safe. Sure. And I was like, that's weird. He hasn't said that to me this Ever. whole time we've been yeah. here. <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever. I'm like, don't be silly, whatever. I'm walking up mm -hmm. to the house from the driveway. No big deal. Like through the trees and stuff. And uh, he closes the door, latches it, and I'm walking up the driveway, I get about seven steps. And then from directly behind me, I hear the most terrifying <gasps> scream I've ever heard in my life. And it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's directed. It's a personal thing. Jeez. This isn't just like, oh, I heard a weird scream in the woods one night. This was, no, something screamed at me. At you. In the woods at night. And, and there's no real way you, you hear people talk about like infrasound that predators mm -hmm. use that like actually has, has a physical effect on your body okay. in, instilling fear. Like uh, a lot of apex predators have infrasound, mm -hmm. like tigers are a good example. Like if they, if they do like a certain growl at you. You like your heart rate fucking, it increases like you are, you start to, you know, you could start to tremble because you realize I am a sandwich in danger mm -hmm. and I am no, I am not the top of the food chain. Mm -hmm. You instantly, I instantly realized I am at the bottom and wow. my days are done. I honestly mm -hmm. felt like I was going to die when I heard this, I tried to scream and I, I could, I, I couldn't even let out a scream really that was worthy of any kind of, <laughs> of, of, you know, sure. traditionally calling yourself a man. And so <laughs> we had a code word. I tried to scream avalanche because avalanche was a code word the security team had for us. Mm -hmm. Meaning if we yell avalanche while we're out in the fields or the woods or whatever, that they will have their gun out finger on the trigger, ready Holy to, cow. ready to use it. Right. Cause that means danger. That means this is an emergency. And I remember the first day we got there, they're like, we know you're a stand-up comedian. You have to know 
you cannot use avalanche as a joke in any, this isn't mm. like something we can joke about. Mm -hmm. So remove that from your mind. I was like, trust me, I'm not going to. Was not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to make a joke about almost being, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to be the boy who cries a wolf. Mm -hmm. So I try to yell avalanche, but then I realized the security team's already back at their hotel. There's no avalanche <gasps> to be yelled. No. I try to yell for Ed, who is, you know, 20, 20, 20 yards away from me, maybe inside the sugar shack. Mm -hmm. But then I realized he's closer to the thing that screamed at me because oh, no. it was from like just behind the sugar shack and I was walking the opposite direction. So I was like, I better not get him out here because he's closer to danger than I right. am. So I kind of yell Ed and Avalanche simultaneously, but realize <laughs> I shouldn't be yelling either simultaneously. Right. So it kind of, you know, and I, <laughs> and I have a flashlight in my, in my hand. In my left hand, I have a flashlight and in my right hand, I have my toiletry bag and my journal like under my arm. And then I, I turn around, I look, I don't see anything. That's when I try to do the scream. And then I just start running as fast yeah. as I can up this sandy driveway that kind of winds around through the trees. Jeez. And I am so terrified. And then about three fourths of the way up the driveway, I do the bravest thing I've ever done in my life. I just... As I'm running, I turn my head around to see how close it is to me. And I saw nothing. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Mm -hmm. And I get to this little white picket fence gate they've got that closes off their front yard. I can't get the damn gate open. No. Right. It felt like forever. It was probably oh a couple seconds. I finally get the gate open. I try to close the gate behind me because... I don't know why I was so hell-bent on closing the gate. Part of me feels like if I leave the gate open, it's kind of a symbolic invitation it's to come on in. It. And yeah. then also my mother was in my head going, you're a guest at this person's house. You should <laughs> yeah. always close the gate. Be polite. Be polite. <laughs> and so I get back to the house. Luckily, the front door is still open. I mean, they knew I was coming back, so they wouldn't have locked it. I get into the front door. I close the door. This guy, David, is still in the kitchen, kind of waiting up, still up. And Bill and Carolyn are in bed. And I'm just kind of like frozen by the front door. I'm trembling. I'm crying a little bit. All the hair <laughs> on my body is like standing straight up. And he's just like, you, he's like, what, what happened? I mean, I looked at him as though if he was looking at a ghost. Yeah. As, even though he was looking at me and, and I tell him what happened and, you know, I try to recreate the scream, but I can't. And then Carolyn <laughs> comes out because I'm, awesome. I'm screaming in her kitchen at, you know, 1230 in the morning on like a Wednesday. <laughs> and then she looks at me and immediately says, oh my God, you saw it. She oh. knew exactly, like she comes out of her room. She's like, what is going on? Oh my God, you saw it. Mm. And she comes over and gives me a hug. And then we stayed up for about an hour oh. at least kind of talking about the experience. And I just like, I am just terrified. Right. And so I look to David and, you know, Carolyn's like, okay, I, I, I'm, I have to go to bed. I do have to go to bed. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. We're going to all leave our doors open tonight. Um, just in case anything happens, you know, so Ryan, if you yell for us, we'll all be able to hear, hear you. <laughs> nice. And I go, okay. And then I go, oh, David, before we go to bed, switch rooms. He's in another guest room. And I'm like, I cannot sleep in the dream chamber. Please switch yeah. rooms with me. Yeah. I can't handle the dream chamber. <laughs> Too much tonight. Too yeah. much. And so I go into the other room and, you know, I, I try to, I can't even get this digital recorder to work to like record while I'm sleeping or while I'm in there. I didn't fall asleep until the sun came up Yeah, because I was so scared. I kept 
I kept, I was certain I was hearing heavy footsteps outside the window, Jeez. which was right behind the headboard of the bed I was in. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, these people have thick wooden shutters on the outside of their house. Oh, that they, okay. That they have, like, we're not talking just regular shutters. They had these shutters put in because of all the activity happening on the house and they're uh, like when one of the first things that happened to them years earlier was there was just in the middle of the night something was just banging on the outside of their house mm-hmm. like banging on the walls i have a question so a lot of the times when i hear stories like this or you know i hear something's haunted my first thought is why or what caused this but like you said that this couple built the home so it makes me more curious, like if you have a theory why it's so active despite being essentially brand new. And if that's kind of like an old school of thought to think that someone has to die on that exact spot for it to be haunted or paranormal. Yeah, I think there's a couple reasons. The uh, One of the reasons is when they built the house, they, they found some Native American artifacts in, do underneath yeah. the ground, um, which a lot of people will you know, speculate, okay, well, what was, what happened? What was here before? And the other thing is that there's two different interdimensional or portals on the property mm-hmm. that people who shall not be named come out and investigate their property on a regular basis. Oh, okay. And over the years, they've obviously become friendly with the people who live there and have started maybe disclosing a little bit more of information of what they're even doing on their property. Wow. So there is, there is all kinds of research happening out here on this property. Wow. That's. And the st- I was actually, oh, I can, I actually went back to the property in October, but I can tell you about that after we, you know, just put a bow on the end of this thing. Sure. And so, I barely sleep. I barely sleep for like three hours. And then we have one more night. I can barely leave the house the next day to go do investigation stuff with everybody. I couldn't leave the house as soon as the sun went down. I was like, I'm out leaving this house. Mm -hmm. And then the next day after that, I I woke up and got the hell out of there as fast as I could and (laughs) drove back to California. I mean, I, I made it all the way past Houston that first day driving, just trying to get as far away from the experience as possible. I still couldn't sleep in the hotel room because I was on the first floor and there was a glass sliding door on the hotel. Oh man, that's Um, rough. And then the next night I got a hotel in El Paso and I made sure that I asked for the top floor of the hotel if they had any rooms available. And then I got home and I couldn't sleep with my lights off for almost two years or a year and a half. After that, I actually went and found a PTSD therapist. I started been seeing a therapist who specializes in PTSD for uh, two over two years now. I mean, we talk about all kinds of stuff, you know, but definitely talked. The reason I, I mean, I could have used therapy. Yeah. Before this, <laughs> sure. but it took Bigfoot to get me in the door, right? Do you think and, it was? I was going to ask. Do you think it was Bigfoot, or what do you think it was? You know, Spring initially night. I thought it was Bigfoot. And then there was a long period of time where I was like, I don't think this was Bigfoot. This yeah. was some other creature. Sure. And now I'm kind of back to like, maybe it was, I, mean, I think it could have been, it probably was a Bigfoot. Um, yeah. I, I don't know because I didn't see it. Right. And right. we didn't find any, I didn't look for any footprints uh, other than my own. Because the next day we, 
one of the security team was a, a game warden. So he worked for law enforcement. Actually, two of the two of the three security team members were active law enforcement who took a vacation time to come to the thing. And the other one was a friend of theirs. And one of the uh, guys, Dan, was uh, a game warden. So he tracks animals, all kinds of stuff, right? And he's a believer in Bigfoot. And so he wanted to, and the other guy, Matt, was like a police, in, he was an interrogator. Cool. Okay. So he was a skeptic. Sure, of course right? he was. He's a skeptic. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and he spent five days just kind of like talking to everybody about yeah. the paranormal and trying to trying to see their tells about when they're lying. Okay. Right? Because he, he's trained in knowing when someone's lying. Jeez. And so he's interrogating me the next day. Dan is tracking my footprints to see if the story I'm telling matches the uh they're tracking your footprints well he wants to like he's trying to recreate what happened right yeah and he reconfirms because he looks at my shoes finds my prints on the sandy driveway and we're walking through the events as we're following my footprints up this driveway and he's well he's telling me what he sees he tells me the story my footprints tell so he comes out, he goes, it looks like you were walking here and, th- and it looks like you stop. And yeah. this indentation indicates to me that you twisted your body to look behind wow. you. And then it looks like you dug in to start running to by the depth of these toe prints of the shoe here. And then if you look at the distance between your footprints, as you move up the driveway, you, I would guess that you've probably never run faster in your entire life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I said, that's pretty accurate. That's exactly yeah, what happened. Good job. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and by the end of the trip, Matt, who was the interrogator, he's like, listen, I've, I've, you know, casually interrogated everyone here without them realizing it. Right. Every yeah. conversation he had was him trying to use his tricks, but people just thought he was talking to him. Sure. and about their stories and he goes i wasn't able to find any lies in what bill and carolyn were telling me about all the crazy stuff that happens out here jeez he's like you clearly were not lying mm-hmm. i came in here not believing in any of this stuff i'm not saying i believe that there's bigfoot out here but what i am saying is no one who's telling their stories here is lying to me wow and do he's you like think- but i don't know what they are yeah, what's happening, what they believe, I guess, because you all believe it to be true. But yeah. do, uh, do you think that whatever it was did that because you were alone? Like there's a well, reason. Well, I mean, it is ironic that the only time in five days I was by myself on the property after dark, I have that experience. Yeah, because it always feels like the craziest experiences because we have a lot of stories. It's always when no one else will believe you. You know, when you're by yeah. yourself and, and you don't have a camera or something. I went back to the, well, there were cameras there, by the way. Oh, I'll really? tell you that in a second. Um, this is like where it gets weirder. <laughs> I went back to the property in October to confront my fear. You know, sure. I knew I had to eventually from the moment it happened. I knew I'd have to go back and confront this fear. And also my therapist was like, you know, part of my treatment is like, you need to go back to this place. Face it. Yeah. And I went back and stayed the night by myself with Bill and Carolyn. And I'm happy to report nothing weird happened. 
And we had a really nice time (laughs) hanging out, but, you know, but she told me a lot more, her and Bill told me a lot of more, gave me a lot more stories. Do they like it there? Are they like, they love it. I mean, they love it there. And then, you know, it was, they were living there for years before everything started. That's weird. What happened? That right. This is so weird. <laughs> so, I, I confronted the fear. I got some more stories from them, and then you know I felt good about it. Uh, I still felt uneasy on the property, right? Right. Um, I didn't feel great. I didn't feel like awesome being there. But it's a yeah. beautiful. It's a beautiful location, and but at the beginning of the documentary or the beginning of the trip. Uh, they set up trail cameras, which are like mm-hmm. hunting cameras that are motion activated. Now they put, there's a tree right across the, you have the sugar shack. And then on the other side of the driveway from the, so the sugar shacks, right on the driveway down the hill from the house. And then there's a fence on the other side of it. Uh, anyway. So interestingly, Ed Brown, who was sleeping in the, or who went back into the sugar shack the night I heard the scream he said he did not hear the scream, but he thought he heard me going to my car, which was just on the other side of the fence in the opposite direction of the house, uh, like doing my car beeper to like Ooh. lock my car or get into my car to go grab yeah. something from my car before. He's like, oh, I thought you went to your car before uh, you went back up to the house because I heard a noise. I heard a high pitched noise and the scream was very high pitched and had like vibrato that's what i heard like directed at me oh so he heard the noise but he mistook what that noise was but there was a there was a tree right on the other side of the sugar shack uh, or the driveway facing the sugar shack where we put a trail cam mm-hmm. and so ed looks at that footage because the footage should have me screaming or, yeah, you know, or it should have me trying to yell. <laughs> it should have me coming out of the sugar shack and it should show us what happened. So the trail cam picks up Ed and I walking down the driveway. It activates just fine. Shows us walking all the way into the thing because it's video, not photos. And then it does not pick me up leaving the sugar shack. Five minutes later, it doesn't activate for some damn reason it doesn't show me leaving the sugar shack but then seconds after it should have shown me leaving the sugar shack it's activated what and you see a strange with no one there but a strange light is dancing around the side of the sugar shack building which is that side facing uphill toward the house And we're like, what the hell is this? And then very quickly realized that's the flashlight in my left hand because I'm holding it like this. I'm holding it out, right? So I'm holding the back of it and pointing it out. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm running up the driveway to get to the house, the light from the flashlight is flashing behind me as I'm running, right? Got it. And it is dancing along the side of the sugar shack because I'm running and my arms are moving. Yeah. So the motion activated trail cam is sensitive enough to pick up a dancing light on the side of a building, but does not activate when a human being who's six feet tall, 180 pounds or whatever, walks directly toward it 
and then turns to his left to walk up a driveway. That's incredible. So it's like we talked earlier about like electronics failing yeah, and how it's an easy out, et cetera, for skeptics or people who have never done this. But then once you get into it, you realize it's so damn frustrating, but it is part of, it's part of the phenomenon and we just have to accept it as part of the phenomenon. That's amazing. And I have one question. I mean, this story was fantastic. It was way more than I expected, which is bad. I should have expected this because you're great. But my my big question is, did you ever get to sleep in the dream room? That's where I slept this last time. Really? Okay. So maybe is, is that going to be in your documentary? That could be like a cliffhanger for, for well, my listeners. Nothing, nothing wild or weird happened. And okay. I may or may not have had sleep assistance of a medicinal form got it to, <laughs> that'll help yeah <laughs> to make sure i could fall asleep and okay. knock myself out mm-hmm. um sure. in preparation for the the fact that i might not have been able to fall asleep because of anxiety so yeah. i was knocked out pretty hard good okay well i'm glad that you had a restful <laughs> sleep in the dream room <laughs> um so yeah the dream chamber dream um, chamber <laughs> But I will go back to the property probably uh, here in a couple months. Oh, that's um, so awesome. And try to actually do, I potentially try to do some more investigations uh, and stay out and, you know, go out at night even. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Cause, it uh, does I've feel like in, you're getting yeah. more brave each time. Little gutsy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if for years I had this big dream of buying a mountain house in like Lake Arrowhead, California. Sure. Uh, before this experience happened. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. obsessed with it. I was on Zillow all the time looking at houses in the mountains and different locations. Um, And then as soon as that experience happened, I couldn't even look at, I couldn't even think about looking at a a mountain house. Like I was like, I don't want to live in a mountain house. Who who wants to live in the mountains? Like that's insane. I want to live on the penthouse level of (laughs) a skyscraper in New York City. surrounded by people who never sleep yeah (laughs) so i'm actually starting to warm up a little bit to the idea of maybe having a house in the mountains again i my girlfriend wants to go like backpacking at like oh wow national parks and she because she does that she's done it solo before and i'm just like I can't fucking do it. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I could maybe go camping in the woods yeah. right now if we had some people with us. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we had a group of us, I'm just, I'm just always the last one awake. That's like my Interesting. thing. I'm just always up last because it's of always anxiety? been that. No, I've just always been there. I'm a creature of the night. I love Got being it. awake. I'm a night owl. So I'm always the last one awake. That's the worst. Yeah. And so like, especially when you're in a scary location, I don't want to be the last one up all the time. Like, cause now I'm the last one up with just my thoughts. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I hear everything now, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. So, um, it's, it's, you know, I'm definitely warming back up to it. And I've been watching a lot of Bigfoot shows on uh, TV lately. <laughs> nice. And, um, and I'm like, I got to get out there, you know? So that is, I'm definitely, re- I mean, I was always able to keep doing paranormal investigations like of, of ghosts and things. Mm-hmm. Luckily that didn't, it didn't scare me away from being able to do that. I just wasn't going out in the woods anymore looking for Bigfoot after that experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm from the Poconos, which is very like woodsy. And there is, even without paranormal, there is something about being all alone in the woods that is just like, 
I guess it goes back to like what you said with like the lion, like you realize you're no longer like the top of the food chain. You're just in, in it. (laughs) Yeah. You're just, uh, you're in their domain now. Yeah. Yeah. Even just other people, like if you see it, like if we go hiking or if we're out like walking, I'm just thinking about like when I go to my friend's house for teenagers, you just walk around. If you see another like adult, you're like, who's this person and what do they want (laughs) with us? You know, they had to drive six miles to get here. They're not accidentally here. (laughs) Yeah. If you've ever put lotion on. Yeah. In your entire life, you realize Oh, I don't necessarily belong here in the forest, do I? (laughs) These creatures aren't like cutting their nails or putting lotion on. (laughs) They're never brushing their hair. You know, like we have all these comforts of life and we've become soft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Is kind of what I mean. But but there's some people who live for that, live for going out in the woods by themselves and trying to find Bigfoot and stuff. And, you know, my hat's off to them. Uh, did you watch the Bigfoot documentary? And we'll wrap up soon because I do. I have to. I have probably like a heart out in the next couple of minutes anyway. But did you watch the the the? I think it was Amazon Prime. It was marketed as a Bigfoot documentary, but then it turned into a like a drug documentary. No, the true. No, it's called Bigfoot. I think Bigfoot. it was just called Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, it was on Hulu. Yeah, I got I everything d- wrong. Every part I did, of it. Uh... <laughs> I did Nailed watch it. it. Uh, the guy was an investigative journalist who was following up on a uh, unsolved murder in yeah. um, the the Green Triangle, as they call it, Northern California. Green Triangle was like before the legalization of marijuana in a lot of places, when it was like li- illegal everywhere, like Humboldt County down to like Grass Valley, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know outside of Sacramento, California, and then over to the West Coast from there. That's where like all the best marijuana and a lot of marijuana was grown on the mountains Mm -hmm. out there. A lot of people living off the grid growing weed out there. But yeah, I did watch that documentary and it was really interesting and a little misleading, I think, by the title. Yeah, I was disappointed. I'm going to say I was, it started, I think the first episode they had a bunch of like Bigfoot enthusiasts and it was like kind of cheesy, but very fun. And I was like, I'm into this. And then it got so violent and different than what I expected. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I love the idea of, I've got an investigation that I started uh, a few years ago that we never were able to really get off the ground. That was a paranormal story that was tied into a true crime, unsolved murder. And it's really fascinating when you add that extra layer in. Yeah. Um, and so I love that idea that there's a paranormal slash true crime combo. Yeah. Um, but don't, don't like mislead us in the way that we think it's one thing and it turns out being another thing. I mean, I'm all about having a twist. Every doc, every documentary has a twist, right? Yeah. Well, like and, if it was Bigfoot selling the weed, I'm in, you got yeah, me. Right? That's, <laughs> yeah. That would be, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that was pretty He's cool. He's the drug lord all along and yeah. it was worth the watch for sure. <laughs> yeah. But that one is that, that, that left me a little uneasy just because it's like, Oh, there's this guy who well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who might, cause yeah. I think it is, it is an interesting documentary for sure. I, and I agree with you with what you said. Cause I, I can, take in true crime material but i feel like i have to be ready emotionally for for what's going to happen especially because this had like first person accounts of like people knowing the people that were like being murdered and stuff and it's just you know it's not yeah it's real it's real it's like real there's real people who are behind these stories and 
I don't listen to true crime stuff. I don't seek out true crime right. programming mm-hmm. because I can't, I, it's too much for me. Yeah. And so I don't seek it out. And mm-hmm. so to have it kind of sprung on you is a bummer. Be, to me is a bummer it, is <laughs> it a was bummer. a bummer for me yeah. but okay i just wanted to ask what you thought about it because i wasn't with your experience i wasn't sure if it was like you were happy that they were getting any type of exposure out there but i i wanted yeah. more of that first episode if I'm being i honest. want when it comes to paranormal programming i'm very specific in what i'd like to see mm-hmm. and i'm trying to i've been actively trying to be a creator of it Sure. As far as like trying to sell television shows and, you know, you have resistance when you're trying to bring comedy into this world. Uh, at least there was a lot of resistance 10 years ago. In the last three or four or five years, it's been a little, they're, they're more open to it. But mm-hmm. like Hellier to me is the, that's uh, uh, the top paranormal programming that's been made. Two seasons mm-hmm. of Hellier are out there. Expedition Bigfoot, I've been binging. I was asleep on Expedition Bigfoot for for a few years. I don't know why I was asleep on it, but it's really well made and they've got all of the greatest technological advancements and gadgets awesome. you could ever hope to have. So it's not realistic for anyone to be like, I could go out and do that. Yeah. It's like, we don't have access. We don't have the budget for that. But it's it's pretty fascinating. They've got some very compelling evidence that they've been compiling through that show and they have a primatologist who's part of the team uh, a world-renowned primatologist who's actually identified new species of primates in her career so it's a it's a very well-made show um i like uh i have a very particular taste i don't want you know paranormal ghost shows i mean i don't know why everyone thinks that we all have to be so tough yeah and so like so much bravado and or just so much like yeah, I'm a badass. You're I to look do for kind of go- love those shows. Yeah, I know. It's a very not, specific. Not for the paranormal investigation aspect, though. I don't. I'm not watching that for the paranormal investigation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get it. And so, I'd like I'd like something that's a that's more representative of at least the way I do uh, investigations. And Karen and I talk about this all the time. I mean, we have a lot of fun. Yeah, when we're out there doing it, and there's a lot of funny moments mm-hmm. that happen when you're Definitely. looking for ghosts and haunted houses and stuff. And you know, I'd like to see more of that on television. So we're trying to do that, but uh, here in the future, and I'm trying to do that with the documentary that I'm making, whether it's going to be episodic or just a doc. We'll, we'll, I, I don't know yet, but yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds awesome, and I, I do think there's room for what you and Karen are making because. I love the idea of like humor and comedy. There's a lot of fictional uh, paranormal comedy that's that's happening now. So hopefully, um, yeah, it's really just, exploded. It's yeah, really exploded. Like what we do in the shadows, all of those. Um, so, uh, well, this was great. Thank you so much for doing this. I this was so much fun. I really well, appreciate thanks it. for having me. Real quick, I want to plug. I have an app for your phone that I've created with three of my cousins that hit the app stores very recently. It's called Crystallize. Crystal E-Y-E-S. So crystal with like your eyeballs, but it's all one word, Crystallize. It's a photo identification app for crystals. 
And it also has information on ethical sourcing of crystals. It has a personal collection for crystals, so you can catalog your crystal collection. And it also has a database of over 300 crystals that the Psychic Teachers, who have a great podcast called Psychic Teachers, uh, helped us create our and curated our data, our crystal database, so you can learn more about your crystals. Uh, it's like a crystal book in your pocket on your phone. And uh, there's, there's a free version with no ads or free trial. And there's also a premium version that has unlimited photos and personal collection size. But uh, crystal eyes, one word, E-Y-E-S. So you can see what your crystals are by taking photos of them. That is so cool. Yeah, everybody download that. And also, where can people find you? So when your special and documentary and everything comes out, they can catch that. Well, everything's at ryansingercomedy.com. Um, also, Instagram is probably what I'm most active on, at Rising, R-Y-S-I-N-G. Uh, that's my Twitter. And then TikTok, I'm uh, Ryan Singer Comedy. I've, I've decided to embrace it and start. I've started doing like characters on, I uh, love it. <laughs> on TikTok. So Ryan Singer Comedy. So yeah, just uh, search Ryan Singer and you'll, you'll pretty much, in comedy, you'll pretty much find all my stuff. That's awesome. Cool. Um, and yeah, guys, you can find me, you know, you should already know this, but it's at Meg gets money gets spelled G O E T Z. Like my last name on Twitter and Instagram. And again, thank you, Ryan. This was so yeah. cool. I well, really thanks. appreciate you being on the show. <laughs> Go to realchillspodcast.com slash submit and tell us more. Special thanks to Valerie Demamber McShane. Artwork by Libby Rundell. Music by Sam Williamson. Real Chills Podcast is produced by Meg Getz and Alyssa Truskowski. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information and links to other shows, please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.